Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Before we get started, I I just wanted uh, to mention for those of you who didn't see him on the patio when uh, he got here, Jeff, uh, Pastor Jeff is back. Uh, from Mozambique, which is good. He he made it home alive. The answer to our prayers that that not only did he arrive safely, but uh, he also the the trip was a success. Got to meet a number of different contacts, and you'll be filled in on some of that information uh, as we continue to go forward. If you did see him tonight, you might see it. I think he might have some type of a bug or some type of illness that he picked up. He's wearing a tie. I don't know where he got that from. I didn't know he owned a tie, but he was wearing it. And uh, so anyways, he's teaching the 201 class tonight. And if you have a chance, as you leave tonight, uh, hopefully he'll be out there and just a, a chance to say hi to him and welcome him back. So good news. Again, the prayers have been answered. Jeff is back. And our ministry of going beyond borders and, and one part of that to go to Mozambique is going forward. So we thank God for that. And now we go to our message. If you take a moment, you can get your crosswalk notes, and those will be the guide for us as we go through tonight. And again, we are, are going through the New Testament. We've gone through the birth of Jesus uh, and the early part of Jesus' ministry, the time of John the Baptist and, and when Jesus' ministry started. And now we will sh- see a short video to, to show some of the things we will cover tonight. Almost everywhere Jesus went, huge crowds came to see and hear him. One time, he began teaching by a lake. The crowd became so big that he actually had to speak from a boat out in the water. Jesus often told stories called parables about everyday life that were symbolic of who God was and what it meant to live in God's ways. Jesus also performed many miracles everywhere he went. He healed sick people and even raised some from the dead. He could also control the weather. One time when Jesus and his followers were in a boat on a lake, a huge storm came in and the boat began to fill with water. Despite the storm blowing the boat around, Jesus was asleep. Panicked, his followers woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus stood up and commanded the wind and the waves, quiet, be still. And the storm was gone. Many people were amazed at the miracles Jesus performed, but the religious leaders called Pharisees started to question where Jesus got his power from. At one point, they even accused him of getting power from the devil. King Herod was also fearful of Jesus. A short time earlier, Herod had thrown John the Baptist in jail. He wanted to kill John, but knew that he was a holy man and feared what might happen if he did. Then one day, Herod's daughter was dancing and entertaining Herod's guests at a banquet. Herod was pleased with her and told her she could have anything she requested. Herod's wife stepped in telling their daughter that she should request the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Herod was fearful, but what could he do? 
He had promised to give his daughter what she requested. And so he had John beheaded. And the executioners brought his head into the banquet. As Jesus' fame grew, King Herod began to worry that Jesus would bring John back from the dead. Even Jesus' followers began to have second thoughts about him. But his 12 closest followers stuck by Jesus for what was sure to be tough times ahead. About a week ago, I heard my daughter ask my wife a question that I don't know if she wanted me to hear it or not, but I did. And then I wish I didn't. Because she asked her, how did you know that dad was the right one when you got married? Uh, did you did you just know that it was right, or, or or did it take some time after you got to know him? How soon was it that you you just knew uh, that that he was the right one? And I got a little sick, thinking, "Oh my gosh, she have a boyfriend I don't know about? Uh, is this something I need to worry about?" And she's like, "No," and and I walked in and you know, kind of interrogated her. Uh, to see where she was at. And, and it was nothing like that. She was just thinking out loud and just said, you know, sometimes as I, I, I look at the future, it's not so much how you knew. It's just I wonder as I look ahead how I will know uh, when the person is the right person. And I don't know how, how you would answer that. Some people say you'll just know. You know what? When the time is right, you'll just know. And, and, and if it's the right person, you'll just know it's the right person. I don't say that. Don't say it to my daughter. And, and, and one of the things that, that, that I have told her also, and not just her, but all my kids and, and other people that I run into who will listen, and that is, instead of trying to find the right person, really a, a better use of your time is to try being the right person. So, so that as you look at it, as you live your life, it's not always looking for someone who's going to be the answer to all the problems in your life, but rather as you live your life, living as a child of God, saying, you know what, Lord, as I follow you, if, if there's someone that comes into my life that, that I can be a blessing to and walk with on the path to heaven, that'd be a great blessing. Now, that having been said... I, I did talk to her as well about maybe things that 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 she might want to be or or things she might want to see in another person, and I think of the fruits of the spirit. Obviously, for for me, and I hope for you as well that that you will want to find a person of faith, someone who is on their walk with Christ, and and as they do that, that someone who will demonstrate it in their in their life that will have love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The fruits of the Spirit. The the proof that that God is a part of their life. If I was talking to my daughter, I would tell her the way that that you can begin to, to find if this is a person you want to be with. If this person is nice to you, 
but mean to the waitress who's waiting on your table, they're not a nice person. Uh, that that you, you need to watch not only how he treats you, but also how he treats others as well. Maybe look for humility. And, and one way to see that humility is uh, to have the ability to laugh at himself. And, and, and some of these things, again, as you go along, uh, you begin to understand. And, and, and then one final thing that I would recommend to someone if they're, they're thinking this person is the right person. If you cannot give at least five things about that person that drive you crazy... Uh, you don't really know them. Uh, then you need to look deeper and, and you need to see those things and go in with your eyes open that this person is not perfect. And, and forgiveness is, is going, it's going to have to be a part of a relationship like that. As I was thinking about this, it, what made me think about this is I wonder what it would be like if, if you were to talk to the 12 disciples and, and, well, minus Judas, but, but the disciples of Jesus, and ask them the question, when did you know that Jesus was the Christ? Or, or when would you say in, in your relationship that, that maybe kind of that, that three years that you followed him, was that kind of like a dating period? Was that like a getting to know him period? But when is it that you knew that, that he was no ordinary man, as our, our text says, that, that, that there was something that, that led you to realize that not only was he uh, a great teacher, not only was he a great leader, but that finally that, that you recognized that he was the Christ, that he was the promised one, that he was God, that this was uh, the one who had come, that this was the person on whom you would uh, put your entire uh, eternity on the line on this person. And it would be interesting because I think the answers might be different. But today what we're going to do is to go back and look at some of the accounts uh, that the disciples and, and Luke, uh, who was who a doctor, different eyewitnesses of counts of what they saw Jesus do. And as we, we go along and, and see all of these different accounts, we will see that each one of them is evidence and proof. And you can just see uh, the faith starting small and continuing to build uh, as the disciples saw who Jesus was. And how we today, still through their accounts, can see who Jesus is. So we begin. And, and uh, as we begin, I'm going to start with the fill-in. And, and as we look at Jesus as no ordinary man, the first fill-in that we're going to recognize about Jesus is his message. And you can write in there, Jesus' message was extraordinary. It was extraordinary, and it's extraordinary in a number of different ways, and we're going to look at these ways uh, starting right now, looking how they were special. And so the first passage we're going to look at is Matthew 13, verse 24. It says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Pretty straightforward as we look at Jesus. Jesus is there and he's teaching them. He's going to use this parable. 
And, and the difference, it was extraordinary. First of all, in that blank, you can write the style. That Jesus' message was extraordinary in style, in the use of parables. Again, as, as you look at this, one of the things that you need to understand a little bit about is what the synagogue was like. And at the synagogue, the synagogue was the local place where they would get together on the Sabbath day for the reading of Scripture, for the, for the reading of the Old Testament writings. The temple in Jerusalem was a place that uh, some of them would go once a year, some of them would go a couple more times a year, depending on the feast. But, but the temple was not a, a normal, regular, every week place that these people would go. So again, they would go to the synagogue and, and uh, they would be very modest buildings and, and places where they would go and hear the reading of God's word. Now, what they would normally do is start, they would have scrolls and, and many of the synagogues would have had the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And what they would do is they would uh, read scripture. And if you have ever tried to read through the Bible in a year, if you've ever done that, and, and you're all gung-ho to do it, and you're like, this is the year I'm going to read through the Bible, and, and you read through Genesis, and you're like, man, that wasn't bad. And then you get to Exodus, and you're like, this is exciting, Moses and, and the plagues and, and them uh, leaving Egypt and God leading them and how great it is. And then you get to Leviticus. And, and Leviticus is followed by numbers. And, and those two books of the Bible, although inspired word of God and, and very important uh, for the ceremonial laws and, and some of the civil laws of the people of Israel, they are a little more difficult to read. And so as you're going through Leviticus, reading about infectious skin diseases, as you're reading about what animals can be eaten and which animals cannot be eaten, uh, as you are reading about the different dimensions of the tabernacle and the, the articles in the tabernacle, and then when you get to numbers, it's just a listing of names and the people who, who were in the tribes of Israel at that time. You can imagine that it, that it I don't want to say that it was boring, but I'm just going to say it's a challenge. Uh, okay, it can be boring. Uh, that, that you look at it because it doesn't have a lot of practical application and it's difficult to do. And now Jesus comes. And, and one of the things that Jesus did is he taught in the synagogues and he would read from Scripture and expound on it. And notice one of the things he did, one of his tools, was Jesus told them these parables, the, these earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. And specifically, the, the one here that's being talked about, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. And, and as Jesus was there, I'm, I'm sure it's almost like you can sense him thinking, do we have any farmers here? Uh, we don't here. But I'm sure when Jesus was, do we have any people who own their field, who, who plant crops every year? And everyone would have raised their hand and say, yeah, we all do. It's like, that's going to be helpful because you know what the kingdom of God is like? It's like when you go and you plant that field. And, and, and if you've ever done that, and I grew up in a farming community, it, you can see on the edges of the field, you know, in the middle of the field, it's great, but on the edges of the field, there's always issues. There, there's issues where 
there's rocks and it doesn't grow that well. There's issues with weeds. There's issues when, when the seed gets on the road and the birds come and eat it. And then there's the seed that grows. And, and you have these crops that come as a result. And, and these people would have, that as Jesus was saying this, could have and would have said, man, we know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, that is so helpful. And him saying the kingdom of heaven is just like that. The planting of God's word is like that. Where some people, as God's word is planted inside of them, that, that the weeds come up, that the worries of this life and the concerns of this life, and it just, it just chokes them. And other people who hear God's word, they really don't understand what it means. And it's like Satan coming and just stealing it out of their heart. Then with other people, it's planted and it grows and, it, and, and you see it in their lives and it's such a beautiful thing. The use of a parable. And, and, and so, again, when I look at this, I love this because it's the way I think. I mean, with, with stories, if you've heard me preach at all, you know that I, I just, there's something about stories that, have, that intrigue me and, and help me understand Scripture better. And so another one of these is when Jesus said, you know, the kingdom of heaven, if you want to understand what it's like, it's like a woman who had ten coins. And again, he was trying to teach them a point, and the point he was trying to teach them was how important every single person is that walks through that door. So today, if Jesus was telling the story, he, he would say it this way. Imagine if you were in Financial Peace University. For anyone who, who's gone through that, you know that one of the things that you have is your money envelopes. And so you, you have your envelopes for the food for the month. You have your envelopes for the gas for the month. You have envelope for the clothes for the month. And, and that's as much as you can spend. So I want you to imagine you go to the bank and, and you're going to fill your envelopes and you get $1,000 bills. And you, you get home and you take those $1,000 bills and you start to put them in the envelopes. And you realize you only have $900 bills. So what do you think you're going to do? Oh, well, it's just 100 bucks. Easy come, easy go. No, you're going to be in that car. You're going to be ripping through that bank envelope. You're going to be going all over the place because that $100, especially if you're doing the envelope system, represents food for a week. It represents any clothes that we're going to get or not get. And, and that's the way it would have been for these people. And so as Jesus is talking to them, and then, and then imagine the joy once you do find it. And go, thank you, Lord. That's what it's like. That's what it should be like here for every person that walks through that door. That we value them. That we value them so much. And, and when they're not here, that we go looking for them. It's Jesus, his style, and it's the way that, that he taught, and, and it resonated with the people because it was so, it was so real, and, and it brought the scriptures to life. We go on from there. Another way of Jesus teaching. It says, they went to Capernaum. This is Mark 1, 21 and 22. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath day came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. They were amazed because Jesus taught as one who had authority. 
A little bit later, I'm just going to read these passages and we're going to get the point and then go back. The next one is from Matthew 22, verse 29. This is Jesus speaking with religious leaders. And it says, Jesus replied, you are in error because you you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. If you ever came up to me or, or in a, in a, imagine me doing a message and, and you saying to me, pastor, you're wrong because you don't know what the Bible says and you don't know anything about God's power. Slap, slap. I mean, that's like the huge, the biggest insult you could give to someone who studies God's word and, and does this. And that's what Jesus said to the teachers of the law, to the Sadducees. We're going to get to that in a moment. Right now, let's do the blank. And write in that Jesus' message was different with authority. He knew what he was talking about. And, and that was something that, that, that there were times that the disciples even, that, that they would get confused by the different arguments. Specifically, when Jesus was speaking with the teachers of the law, the Sadducees, the issue came up about uh, a leveret marriage law. And what this was about was that at that time there was a law that if a, a brother was married and died and didn't have a child, his brother, younger brother, would have to marry that woman and uh, give her an heir. The problem is, we could get into this whole issue, that it would actually, his child would be listed as his brother's child. And so the, there, were, there were some issues with this leveret law. So the Sadducees came to Jesus they didn't believe there was a resurrection, okay? They, they believed once you were dead, that was it. There was no resurrection of the dead. So, so they came to Jesus and said, well, imagine if a guy has, uh, gets married and he dies and there's seven brothers, all of them die. There's no baby that's conceived. Now, in the resurrection, which one would she be married to? And that's when Jesus said, you're in error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. How long is marriage? How long does God give marriage? Until death parts us. And, and so, first of all, you, you don't understand that's what the Bible says. That's what Scripture says. That's what God says about marriage. But you also don't understand the power of God. God is not the God of the dead. God is the God of the living. So many times with Jesus, with the authority, he, he ran into individuals who didn't know what they were talking about. They tried to trap him. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And, and they're trying to trap him. Oh, now if he says, don't pay taxes, we're going to report him to the Roman government. If he says, do pay taxes, we're going to tell all the Jewish people he's pro-Rome and, and he's no one you should be following. And again, Jesus knows what he's talking about. So how does he answer? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. So many times, whether it was about the Sabbath day or or whatever the situation was, Jesus knew. With the Sabbath especially, I I think of that, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so what he was telling them is cut through all the garbage, cut through all these rules and hear what God is saying in his word. He had authority. The next one. Uh, We go to Matthew 5, 3 to 5. How Jesus' message is extraordinary. 
This is from his Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. As you you hear this, this was the start of Jesus' sermon. It was so different from anything anyone had ever heard before. Because as we look at this group of people, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, that, that we look at those people as the people who are weaklings. Uh, those, those are the people who don't make it. Those are the people who get run over. When I think of this and I think of the people that I think are blessed and I think are the people that are happy, I, I think of when I go to L.A. Fitness to work out, I see these big guys walking around who, are, who could just break me in half whenever they wanted to. And I look at them, and I'm telling you, it's the way I think, man, they must have it made. They are just like so strong. And, and, and then my mind fills in the details of how great their life must be because of how big and strong they are. We do the same thing when, when we get the pictures from, from Hollywood or from the local news about who is impressive and who is popular and who is strong and, and who has the power in this world. That's never the weak people. It's never the people that Jesus talks about. And so we see a different message than, than the people had, had ever heard before. Again, a little later in that same sermon, uh, Jesus says, Matthew five forty three to 45 is, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Again, his message of love. In the blank, you can write, again, this is his message was extraordinary in content. It was unlike anything they had heard before. This is an important point for you to remember because Jesus' message is like nothing they had heard before. And and the message that Jesus speaks is different from the way that we think. Definitely different from the way that I think. And, and, And the reason why we need to continue to go back to God's word and the reason why Jesus needed to continue to speak is because as we live our lives and, and we, we don't listen to him, we start thinking in our own way. Especially the, this whole message of love. And, and, and again, he, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's the way we live. That people we like, we're nice to. That people we don't like, we're not nice to. I mean, that, that is just human nature on the way that people treat other people. And, it, and you don't have to look far to see it in this world. And the problem is, if we're honest, you don't have to look far to see it in my life. And that's why I need these reminders from Christ. Not only reminders from Christ, but, but these are also messages of law. The content of what he said as he specifically preached this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount 
in a number of different ways, what he did is he made the individuals see, made people see that, that as they look at God's word and God's demand, specifically the demand to love, that's one we fall short on. He summarized the law. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. You do those two things. You show love in those two ways and you are a perfect person. But no one shows love to God in that way and no one shows love to others in that way. And so this message as as Jesus was, was preaching it was incriminating to these people. It was strong in truth. But Jesus was extraordinary in other ways as well. It wasn't just his message. It was in who he was as well. And so in the next blank, you can write Jesus' power was extraordinary. Jesus' power was extraordinary. Matthew 8, 26, 27 gives us a little view. Again, this is Jesus when he's going across the the lake and he's sleeping on a mat in the bottom of the boat and storm comes up and and water's coming in what do ordinary people do panic uh start rowing harder uh we're all gonna die and how does jesus respond respond to them they asked him don't you care if we die he replied jesus replied you have little faith why are you so afraid then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves And it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Again, when we started, we asked that question, when did the disciples know? When did they know that Jesus was was not just not ordinary, but extraordinary, amazing? This was one of those days when when you can hear they were asking the question and, and thinking out loud. What kind of man is it? No one can do this. Go to the next reading, Mark 2, 5 to 7. Again, looking at the power of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Stop right there. If you have kids who are in Crosswalk Kids, you will know that last week, this was their story. And this was a situation where Jesus was in this year of popularity. There were so many people coming into this house that that the people couldn't even get close to him. And so as Jesus is teaching them, I I can't even imagine what this would have been like. Because Jesus is, is sitting there and all of a sudden they start digging through the roof because it's the only way to get this guy close to Jesus. And And again, as Jesus is teaching, stuff starting to fall and... People starting to look up and other people not caring because they're like, whatever, we're, we're just going to keep listening. We're not going to let anyone take our place. And then slowly they, they lowered this man holding four corners of a, of a blanket of a mat right down in front of Jesus. And again, Jesus being extraordinary, being so amazing. What, is, what are the first words that come out of his mouth? Your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk that like that? He's blaspheming. One of the things you, you learned very quickly when you were around Jesus 
is don't think things that you don't want Jesus to hear. And, and, and that's the God who knows all. And, and the same is true in our lives today. Don't think things unless you want him to know. And he did. And so, notice what he says. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And then Jesus answers them. What's easier to do? To say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and, and take your bed and go home? And the answer to that would have been it's a lot easier to say your sins are forgiven. See, I just said it. Your sins are forgiven. But it's hard to prove. How can you prove that my sins are forgiven? And so what he said was, okay, so that I, I, I will prove my power to forgive sins by taking this paralyzed man and having him walk home right now. Now do you believe? Now do you believe that I'm someone who's extraordinary? Now do you believe that I, have, I am someone who has the power to forgive sins? It was amazing. And finally, Mark five forty one. Father came to Jesus and said, you have to help my daughter. It's my baby. She's sick. And the doctors aren't helping her. It's only getting worse. We don't know where to turn. After a detour, Jesus finally did go there and they said, don't bother him anymore. She's dead. Jesus said, no, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And the people laughed at him. Yeah, this great teacher, he's an idiot. He doesn't even know when people are dead. He doesn't, doesn't know when to just walk away. Jesus walked into that room and said to her, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And so, again, in the blank, you can write the next blank. Jesus did things only God can do. But I don't think that captures it because the thing about Jesus and the use of his power as as God was the fact that he was willing to use that power to help people every single day. Helping them, yes, with with the problems they had, maybe the physical problems, maybe the, the problems they had with demon possession, maybe the problems they had with not having anything to eat, whatever the problem was. But he was teaching them that God cared about them and and he was willing to use that power to help them. And he would ultimately show that on the cross to take care of the biggest problem, to take care of your biggest problem. That is who Jesus is. He is true God who has come to help. What was the response? Uh, Varied, varied response. Mark 6, 5, and 6, when Jesus went to his hometown, went to his hometown, says he could do, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And notice, he was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. I remember the first time I had to preach on that text, and, and it And it said Jesus could do no miracles there. And that just blew me away. I'm like, hold it. Jesus couldn't do miracles? What happened? Then he went up to people and was like, sorry, man, I got nothing today. Uh, You're going to have to stay sick. No, it wasn't that at all. He was amazed because they hated him so much that they would rather hate him and stay sick 
than come to him and admit that he could help. And that amazed him because you would think that that someone would swallow their pride in order to get out of some type of physical pain or physical ailment and and go and, and submit to him on some level. And these people hated him so much uh, that they wouldn't even let him do that. And even Jesus, the Son of God, found that surprising. But that's not the only response. Matthew 8, 8 to 10. It's when a centurion, a Roman uh, leader in the army, asked Jesus for help for a servant of his. And again, he, he was willing to humble himself to do that. And, and the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. And he, after that, he said, you know what? I'm a leader of people too, Jesus. I understand how it works. I tell a person to come and he comes. I tell him to go and he goes. And I know you have that same type of power too. So I know you just need to say the word. And it says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. In the blank, you can write, there were times others amazed Jesus as well. Jesus was amazing. Jesus was extraordinary. But, but, but both in the unbelief and the belief, the faith of individuals, that Jesus, as he came down into this world, as God looks at the way that people respond to his word and his help and to the person who has come to help, that response is crazy. As I look at this, we've covered a, a bunch of ground of Jesus' miracles and, uh, and Jesus' teaching and, and some of the things that he did. And, and when I went and I was reading through these again in the past week, it, it, was, it, was, it was a joy. It was. It, it was enjoyable to go through and read these uh, Bible accounts that I have known since I've been a child. I, I was had the privilege of going to a Christian school through grade school, and, and, and I know all of them. I know all of them by heart. I, I didn't read any Bible account that I didn't already know. But as I was going through them, one of the things that, that just it, it struck me in a way that it hasn't in a while, it, it's that Jesus, I remember as a child, Jesus would always surprise me. That, that sometimes the way that he would deal with people very softly, and then other times when he'd deal with them harshly, that it would be like, what's the deal with him? You'd go up to Jesus, and you never knew exactly how he would respond. And I had a, a, a person uh, tell me it this way, that as a pastor, your job, my job, is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And, and so you have this, this thing that Jesus did when he came, when people came to him who were hurting, and, and, and he would say to them, you know, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. But then there were other people who would come up to them, and the Bible says it a number of different ways, but people who were confident in their own salvation, people who were confident in their own righteousness. One more Bible story, a, a, a favorite of mine. 
In a parable that Jesus told, two men went in the temple to pray. One of them a Pharisee, a leader in, in the church, and the other a tax collector, someone that everyone hated. And, and the Pharisee stood up. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I thank you that I am better in my spiritual life. I keep two fast days a week. I, I give a tenth of everything that I earn. Lord, thank you for showing your greatness in me. But the tax collector stood at a distance, wouldn't even look up to heaven and said, Lord, unto me show mercy. And then Jesus said the, the, the just beautiful words. I tell you that day, one man went home justified. That wasn't the one standing up in front. All of these accounts given to us in one book in the Bible for one purpose, to show God's love for you in Jesus Christ. And where did it lead? Jesus' ministry was three years long. There was a first year where, where he was gaining popularity and people started hearing about him. There was a second year, which was the, the Bible story that really uh, summarizes it as the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus was preaching to audiences of up to 15,000 people. And then there was the third year where people were leaving Jesus. And, and, and they liked his style and they liked his authority, but they didn't like his content. And so it leads us to our last reading, John six sixty seven to 69. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples as others were leaving. Said, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So I think if you were going to ask Peter, when was the day? When was it that you, you just knew that, that, that he was not only someone who was extraordinary and, and someone who was special, but this was someone on whom you could put your, your eternity I think Peter would have said this day, and, and it, made him, it made him think as others were leaving, where else would I go? Where else can I go? And he realized that Jesus was his only option. In the blank, you, you can write, Jesus alone has the words of eternal life. Jesus alone has the words of eternal life. And so maybe... Maybe I think my daughter has it right. And as she thinks about finding a guy who's Mr. Right, I, I think sometimes the way she thinks and the way that we think is that we want to find a person in a relationship that we can go all in on. That, that we can look at that person and say, you know what, come hell or high water, this person is not going to leave us. And it's my prayer 
that you don't look for that in a spouse, but in a savior. That, that I'm not saying that, that I don't love and trust my wife or anything like that or that she's not there for me because I, I, I thank God for her every day. But she's not my Savior. She, she's not someone who, who is, who's not going to let me down. I'm not that person either. I'm not Mr. Right. I have my weaknesses. I have my failures, my shortcomings, and no one knows that better than me. And if we're going to be honest, no one knows that better than her. She gets a front row seat to it. But that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is the perfect Son of God who not only came with the words of eternal life, but came as your Savior. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that that you are who you are that you are extraordinary. And we thank you that we have this opportunity to go back to your word and just read these accounts that in which you show your greatness uh, time after time, whether it's through your message or your miracles or whatever it is. Lord, with, with Peter, may we ever confess, Lord, you are the Holy One from God. All we need to do is look at that evidence and and know that you are someone we can go spiritually all in on, that you are there for us, that you never disappoint, and, and that not only do you not disappoint in this life, but also in the one to come. And so, Lord, we ask you to be with us and bless us and continue to strengthen our faith in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.